welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Thank you, Ed. This has been such a great day already and such a great Sunday to celebrate the week that we've had together. Many of these missionaries were on a Zoom call on Tuesday, and so it's so much funner to see you as real people in 3D than on that square. But starting on Tuesday and here as we've been interacting, I've been so impressed with the missionaries that this church has sent out. The history of wanting to impact the ends of the earth is strong here. You can sense it. And today, I just want to encourage you in that. Because there are all sorts of options as you talk to the people out there. Perhaps you're an athlete and you want to work among athletes locally. Perhaps you know about the international students that you have right here in the Monterey area. Or the wives of international students that you can encourage. Perhaps you yourself won't be able to go to the ends of the earth, but you realize that God has brought the nations here in a way where people who might not otherwise hear the good news of Jesus can, because they're here, and more importantly, because you're here, and you have a mission, and you are on mission with God. Church, you have a heart for the poor. It's clear. You care for the nations, and you long for God's glory among all peoples. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep going in this. Part of that process this year, I believe, was uh, adopting a new mission statement. It's been fun to, to look at that online and to consider what that means. We glorify God and make disciples by connecting people to Christ through small acts of great love every day. Every day here in Carmel, in nearby communities, you have the opportunity where you live and work to live this mission out. You have opportunities to love in word and deed and with purpose, right? Right there in the mission statement, to connect people with Christ. Your love can connect people with Christ. You can find ways to not only just be nice, but to be intentionally loving, kind, gracious, Christ-like in a way that the world will see and that your words will have impact. And I just really want to encourage you in that. The world needs you. This area needs you. You are the light of the world, right? So bless you as you are that here in this region. Week after week, month after month, you can help people in the word. You can help people learn to pray. I see a great group of young people where you can be mutually encouraging in one another. Every voice is telling people, do not follow Jesus. And therefore, your role in each other's lives is so crucial where you can say to each other, follow Jesus. Or you can see, just like Amanda did in Scripture, she read some Scripture and shared Scripture earlier this morning. We can do that every day with one another as we walk with him. So let me encourage you as you walk out your faith. You can make disciples. Remember, disciples are ones who become like their master, men and women who become like their master, not clones of you. You don't need to make little mini-me's. That's not the point of discipleship. The point of discipleship is help people get into the presence of Jesus where he transforms them. You can do that. You can do that as worshipers, as intercessors, as people who learn just to love Jesus and bring others along with you in that process. You know, as I consider this, I really want to say, way to go, church. Way to go. Just do this. Live out your mission statement here locally and watch what God does. 
Well, your mission statement can also serve as a guide to world missions. As I was looking at it and thinking and preparing for today, I thought we can ask several questions. Where is God not being glorified? Where are there no disciple makers? Where are people not connecting to Christ? Not because they don't want to, but because they have never heard of him or what he's done for them. There are plenty of places here on earth that are like that because there are no believers nearby to show them small acts of great love in Jesus' name. Tragically, statistics indicate that there might be three billion people still in this category. Though the gospel is spread and wonderfully, and I'm going to share about that in a moment, there are still huge chunks of humanity where there is no witness to all this good news. Nate prayed this passionate prayer for Afghanistan earlier, right? The reason he prayed with passion is because not only of what's going on in the news, but what's going on in the heavenlies, as we realize 38 million people without Jesus. And just a little bit of light showing there, right? And so we need to pray and believe that God will do great things, and he will. He is the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. So he will accomplish his purposes. We just need to join him in those purposes, don't we? We go about our day then. If we can keep this mission statement in mind, we remember and apply it. It can serve as a reminder of our call for us to make disciples of all nations. Even as we work locally and in the region, we can remember there are needs at the ends of the earth to consider as well. Remember that as we baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, how many are we baptizing tonight? Eight. I would have heard that even with the mask on, but you can even... It's, it, <laughs> Eight. It needs to be heard. That's wonderful. Eight people are taking that step. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're going to be baptized. And if we go tonight, we can just celebrate and then we can play spike ball, right? We can rejoice and we can have joy in the Lord as we delight and see him work in the people nearby to us. Now remember the promise at the end of Matthew 28 for disciple makers. It's right at the end of Matthew I am with you always to the end of the age. Remember the context of that verse. We've studied Matthew 28 a couple times this year. What's the context of this? This promise isn't offered by Jesus in Matthew for those who sit around and gripe about the state of the world or the state of the church. That's not where that promise comes. His promise is for those who make disciples by connecting people to Christ through small acts of great love every day. It's for those who go out in his name that he says, I am with you always. Go, I am with you. Go in my authority. I am always with you. And why do we need to hear that promise? Because making disciples isn't easy. Let's be frank about it. Connecting people to Christ in an increasingly secular and distracted world is not simple or for the faint of heart. We need Jesus and we need his promise. That's why he says it. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age because he knows that his disciples need to hear that as he leaves them and as they go, they still need his very presence, as do we. How's that for a promise? Think about it. The king of kings, the the one who, who died and rose again, says, I am with you, disciple maker. That's a promise that can help you take risks. That's a promise that can help you move to the inner city or to the ends of the earth. It's a promise that can help you as you talk to 
coaches around or you want to help establish a fellowship of Christian athletes uh, organization or, or to work with there and get no after no after no after no after no and then you get your yes. Someone will say yes to the opportunity to minister to a group of young people. Or as you teach people in India the word of God and teach them even Greek. And you, you do it through Zoom. You figure it out. This church is figuring it out. You are figuring out how to bring the best news in the world to the people who need to hear it. Church, keep going. Keep on doing it. You've got the promise of God to go with you. You can take risks. You can start new things. God gives you courage through his promise. And, church, you will send loved ones from this church. You will send, and that takes faith too. It takes faith to go. It takes faith to send. It takes faith to say, loved one, I would honestly rather you stay here. But I sense the call of God on you to address this problem. Of all the people groups and the billions of people without the Lord Jesus Christ, so go with my blessing. It takes courage to go and courage to send, and you are a sending church. So I want to help you in that courage. How can they preach unless they are sent? Church, be courageous goers and courageous senders. As Pastor Tim and Pastor Luke have been teaching you, the mission of God is not confined to one set of a few verses at the end of Matthew. The mission of God is from beginning to end. It's from generation to revelation. We see a God on the move, pursuing his people and his purposes. He has a plan. And here's the good news. He invites us into that plan. He says, join me. I'm going to impact the city. I'm going to impact this campus. I'm going to impact the ends of the earth. People of God, join me, says the God of the universe. He could have done it all on his own. But for his glory, he works through his people. And he speaks individually to his heart, to our hearts. He sometimes speaks through preachers up here. sometimes speaks to us as we worship or in the quiet of our prayer closet, or through a good sermon series that keep moving our hearts. But he is calling and calling and drawing his people to join him. In the Old Testament, we see that his people were sometimes slow to see his plan for the nations. But in Psalm 22, we saw that David got it. David in Psalm 22:27, which Laura read earlier, said, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. Can you picture that? A small group of people who knew they were the people of God and didn't quite get the notion that it wasn't supposed to start to end with them. So God over and over and over kept on calling and sending like we heard during the series on Jonah, right? Do you remember the reluctant prophet Jonah? He would do anything to avoid going to the Ninevites. And he tried. But even when the reluctant Jonah declared the word of the Lord to the Ninevites, the worst of the worst, they responded to the word of God. And even the king responded by tearing his clothes. The word of God has power. As we learn it, as we live it, and as we proclaim it, it's still valid today in our communities until the ends of the earth. But for all the great breakthroughs we have heard of, we also see that God puts up with a lot of junk here on earth, doesn't he? 
He is patient. The word of God said he, he is patient. He is more patient than we because he has a purpose. In our own family, we have seen elderly relatives who did not know God for decades. And yet God was patient and patient and allowed them live long enough to repent of their sin and find him at the 11th hour. Our God is patient. I have seen it. And therefore, he has a plan for this world that we can continue to join him in it. In Acts chapter 12, we're going to camp out in Acts for the rest of our time together. So Acts 12, 13, and 14. So if you could turn there, if you have a Bible or on your device, turn to Acts 12. And at the end, we'll look at 12. And at the end, briefly at a story that all of us know from Sunday school because it was so gross. It's so gross and therefore so cool. The people of Tyre and Sidon came to King Herod in order to make peace with him. They were obsequious. They flattered him by shouting the voice of a God and not of a man. And scripture says right there under that caption, the death of Herod, immediately an angel of the Lord struck Herod down because he did not give God glory and he was eaten by worms. Church, I probably just camped out there on the worms part. It's the word part because look what happened in verse 24. But the word of God increased and multiplied. The kings of this world come and go. We saw it just this week in history. Rulers rise, rulers fall. They bluster, they bloviate, they make much of themselves, and ultimately they breathe their last. But, Acts 12, 24, the word of God increases and multiplies. It goes forth and accomplishes its purposes. So the call of the church, this church and other good local churches, is to ensure that the word goes forth from generation to generation, from place to place, and from people to people, and from people group to people group, that all the ends of the earth may be reached. So here on Great Commission Sunday, we remember the global scale of what we do, and that this task of reaching the world is not something we made up or a burden we put on ourselves. It's a mission of the almighty, powerful God who is patient and yet whose patience runs out at times, who moves in gentleness and yet moves in power as well, who knows us personally and is so kind to us and yet also moves in great waves across the earth for his glory. For the last 35 years, Kelly and I have had the opportunity to see the word increase and multiply in the Muslim world. We saw it where we worked in Asia, and it was wonderful to see. But we also get to see it in all the countries and locations where Frontiers sends disciple-makers. And we're not working in a futile task, though the progress doesn't yet compare to what has happened among some blocks of humanity. More Muslims have put their faith in Jesus Christ in the last two decades than in the previous 14 centuries. So we are living in a day and age where this book doesn't remain closed and on a shelf. The word of God, living, breathing, goes out and impacts people at the ends of the earth as well. In religious and big people blocks who would have been utterly separated from the word of God before but are starting to be able to hear it. So we live in a hopeful day. When we consider the Great Commission, we're not looking at a hopeless exercise 
pursued by deluded people. God is not saying, go bang your head on the wall until I tell you to stop. That's not our God. That's not our God. He says, I am with you. Go and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And what has he commanded? Abide in me. Walk with me. Follow me. Love me. Delight in me. Make disciples and watch what happens. We've got a world-changing God and a world-changing message. We have such a clear purpose that we're celebrating today on Great Commission Sunday. So we saw the power of God in Herod's life in Acts 12. In Acts 13, we see the power of God moving through Barnabas and Paul. They are prayed out and sent out from the city of Antioch in Syria. And as they eventually end up in Antioch in Pisidia, Paul is invited to speak a word of encouragement in the synagogue. He recounts through Acts 13 the history of God's people and how Jesus' life and resurrection were the fulfillment of centuries of promise and hope. Acts 13.42 says people were begging to hear more. In verse 43, Jews and devout converts started to follow Paul and Barnabas. They had finished speaking and people would follow them. They wanted to hear what they had to say. And the opposition started right there in verse 44. Because the next Sabbath, Acts 13, 44, the next Sabbath almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. This is a hinge point in history. You could almost feel the pivot or hear the pivot. Religious leaders were jealous. They were reviling. They thrust aside the word of God for spoken to them thus judging themselves unworthy of eternal life. Church of God, this, this can be terrifying and perhaps should be. When we look at these things here, you, you don't tamper with God. He is this loving, mighty, powerful, personal God who loves us so generously and calls us to join him. But the people who had had the word of God for generations had grown cold. They were supposed to love the word of God and to live by the word of God and hold it close and hide it in their heart. But what does the scripture say they did? They thrust it aside. People of God, let us not be like that. Let us instead be Paul and Barnabas who found their life calling in the word of God. Do you see that in verse 47? For so the Lord has commanded us, says Paul, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. These two men, Paul and Barnabas, you could almost see in them high five or fist bump or elbow bump, whatever was culturally appropriate at the time. They were excited. They were able to say to each other, we are a light to the Gentiles. Look at Isaiah. Hundreds of years later, we are a light to the Gentiles. Paul, Barnabas, we get to bring the message of salvation to the ends of the earth. Let's go do it. And they did. They stepped out by faith. They were prayed out and they went 
They took tremendous risks and they saw things that were beyond their imagination, I believe. Because in verse 48 and 49, look at the reception. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Um, the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Well, no wonder it was spreading throughout the whole region. It was such good news. Initially, Paul and Barnabas found some believers in the synagogue who would listen and respond, but they pivoted and turned into the larger grouping of those who had had no news of this good news. They were pushed out, they were persecuted, and they were ultimately stoned, but they did not give up. They made a pivot that changed the world by turning their attention to the Gentiles. Now, most of us in this room probably are, are Gentiles. Where would we be? if Paul and Barnabas had not read Isaiah and lived it out. Church, we read the word of God and we live it out, and it changes things. Paul and Barnabas did that. Let's take a lesson from them. No wonder this news spread throughout the region. Just this past week, I got to hear regions where the gospel is spreading. One was Ethiopia, and a friend of mine was sharing fresh stories of the spread of the gospel among Muslims in Ethiopia. That same man was also telling me story of the spread of the gospel among Hindus as well in India. These are Gentiles, huge chunks of humanity that are Gentiles. This good news in Acts 13 and 14 is for them as well. God is not done. So Paul and Barnabas' journey continued and then they returned. So let's to where they started. So let's look at the end of Acts chapter 14, verse 27. They arrived, they gathered the sending church together and declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. I'm looking right here at some open doors. I didn't even think of that. That door is wide open. Anybody could come right on in here. That door is open. And think about that. For Gentiles, the door of faith had been closed. And what did Paul and Barnabas celebrate when they came back to report to their sending church? The door of faith was open. It had been closed to Gentiles for centuries, but now Gentiles discovered they weren't excluded. They could enter the presence of God through the shed blood of Jesus. The door of faith was open. Gentiles could leave their spiritual prison where they were bound by sin and kept in darkness. The door of faith was open. They could enter the high tower of our Lord and find safety. The door of faith was open. And what does the text say? Who opened the door? God opened the door. God opened the door. Paul and Barnabas were there. They were helping do it, but God was the one opening the door of faith to the Gentiles. And here on Great Commission Sunday, we're celebrating open doors. Let's remember, like Paul and Barnabas, we can be part of opening the door of faith on our campuses, opening the door of faith among international students, opening the door of faith in India and other nations to the ends of the earth, wherever it needs to be proclaimed, we can be part of it. We can do that locally by living out our church's mission statement, by connecting people to Christ, by small acts of great love every day. 
And we can do it by going or by sending to the people groups, the Gentiles that have no witness yet. There's so much that we can do with a door opening God. God opens doors. Who can close them, right? Paul and Barnabas were so thrilled to come back with that news. Now, I want to tell now a balancing truth. I've told you of advances to the gospel, and there are remaining tasks as well. A different colleague of mine just this last week told me about 422 Muslim people groups that he has identified that have no known witness. 422. That same man is part of a team that has identified 1,180 Hindu, Buddhist, and animist groups with no known witness. That means no known disciple makers, no one connecting them with Christ, no one sharing small acts of great love in Jesus' name. None. So the job's not done. So at great on Great Commission Sunday, we celebrate. There's so much to celebrate. We also might hear a call to action. We might hear, huh, maybe I'm supposed to be part of this. Maybe like Paul and Barnabas, I can find my call in Scripture and go. And Carmel Presbyterian, Presbyterian Church, you have already proved you are a sending church. You love to support and send. So let's remember a little bit on Great Commission Sunday that God calls us to do this, sometimes for short periods, sometimes for long periods. Kelly and I, as I've already said, have been doing this 35 years. And my job now, all day, every day, I, I confess, I think is the coolest job on earth, is to address this problem. It's to partner with churches in sending disciple makers to the nations. For us, it's especially Muslim nations. The question every day is, where is the gospel not? And where are the disciple makers who are saying, here am I, send me? And bringing those two together and seeing what God does. Now, some of you might be those people. Some of you might be the goers. Some of you might be the senders. Some of you might be the intercessors. This is Great Commission Sunday. Anything is possible. Let's see what God will do. Because in Psalm 22, we remember that kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Do you believe that? If we watch the news, we might be tempted to not believe that. The news this week was as horrible as could be seen, right? But ultimately, we serve a God who defeats enemies like Herod, and his word will increase and multiply. Messengers will go out like Paul, and Barnabas. They'll go out from here, from Monterey, from Salinas, from Davis, like we did. They'll find their calling in God's word. They'll proclaim the gospel, and a door of faith will open to Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, animists, let's keep on going, to secularists, to communists, to atheists, to agnostics, to students, to retirees. Why not? This word is mighty and powerful. Many will hear and rejoice and the news will spread far and wide. Do you believe that, church? We've got an incredibly powerful God, an incredibly powerful word. So do not despair. Even as we consider our world today, the Ninevites responded to the word of God. The Gentiles of Pisidian Antioch responded to the word of God. Will that not happen today? It will, and it is happening. As Psalm 22 says, the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nation shall worship before him. May it be so. 
as all of us step out in faith, making disciples, and thus fulfill the Great Commission. Let's pray. Lord, to do this will take courage. And we need that courage. And my goal today was to encourage through your word. Will you keep doing it? Will you stir every single heart today to just keep on following you? Today, take that next step of faith, whatever it is, to reach out and hold your hand, Lord, as you call them along your path, and to hear over and over again, yes, take that step of faith. I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.